Welcome to Picks with the Professor, the podcast where a real statistics professor and the Daffy Duck tells Bugs Bunny, Jake, talk about and deliver a March Madness bracket to you. I am Professor Sides. You can follow me and find all my betting picks on Twitter at Professor Sides. You can follow my friend Jake on Twitter at my friend underscore Jake. Today is Monday, March 14th, 2022. We're back tomorrow with our usual picks and predictions episode, but this is a special bracket episode. And a reminder to join our bracket pool on ESPN. The group is called Picks with the Professor. The password is Professor, all lowercase. And that information is in the show's description. Also, check out the website. That's www.pickswiththeprofessor.com for a special offer. If you're looking for some minus 105 lines on Tuesday through Friday of this week on tournament games. Before we get started, Jake, I'm going to ask you a couple questions uh, about the bracket. I want to start off. I'm going to throw a curveball at you. We hadn't talked about this before. On a scale of one to ten, how big of a homer would you consider yourself? Um, I, I guess like from a, I try to keep it out of my betting. Stuff, well, of course, of course. But, but I, I'm, I, I, I am extremely biased towards my teams. So I'm not afraid to say it. I was gonna say it could be a fun game for the people out there to count up how many times you say something that's very homerish, or you know, if you're doing it responsibly and it's maybe later in the day, right? Maybe you can make a little drinking game of it. You know, maybe I might try to slide some in there. Maybe I try to might slide some jabs in there and just see if I can get some homer yeah. takes out of you. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll see how the episode goes. Yeah, well, it probably won't be. It won't be. You know, it, it, if you've watched us at any time, you know, uh, the two schools that Jake's uh, maybe a little more friendly towards in his analysis. So uh, we'll see if we can have some fun with that. Uh, before we get to our actual bracket, though, two questions based off of the selections. First, who would you have put in that didn't make it? And of course, whose place do they have to take? Um, I, I really would put Texas A&M in. They, they had a really good, uh, what I thought was a really good resume with, uh, I wrote this down, so let me look at it. Um, they have they beat Notre Dame, and that's who I would take out. Um, they beat Arkansas twice, Florida twice, Al- Alabama, and Auburn. And I think their worst loss, like going through it, was maybe at Vandy. And <clears throat> at Vandy is a weird gym, and it was by, it was by five. So I I don't know what they could have done. I mean, obviously you can win more games, but yeah. <laughs> what like, like what they could have done better than like because Notre Dame played in a weak ACC, so yeah. the SEC is a stronger conference. Um, Notre Dame didn't win a tournament game. Like if if you want to look at the last few, Notre Dame really struggled coming down the stretch, and Texas A&M didn't. Like I, I don't know where they saw the difference here. Okay, okay, and so that's the that's the main the main complaint. Yeah, that, that's that's the main complaint. Like from a team that was left out. I mean, I wouldn't have put all three bubble Big Ten teams in, but you, you know, like you could. There wasn't a really good argument for any of the other bubble uh, teams besides Texas A&M. So I guess you could slide Michigan or Rutgers out, maybe even IU, like depending on where they view things. I just wouldn't put all three and I don't think all three deserved it. Yeah, and I'm, I'm kind of like you. I think it's hard to make an argument to take any of those three teams out um, of those Big Ten teams. But Notre Dame is, is a tough one. Like you said, the, the if the ACC is as strong as it traditionally is, it's an easier sell uh, knowing what they had to go through there but as is uh, that makes the resume a little bit worse uh so the second question is what were the biggest seeding misses in your opinion i think tennessee as a three was a miss and I, and I was, <laughs> we're up to one <laughs> but, you know what wasn't long but i mean if you look at where tennessee is like they, <laughs> their ken palm rank was seven their worst loss was alabama on the road without kennedy chandler and john fulkerson i mean it i mean they got beat pretty 
like early in the year at by Villanova pretty good. And they lost to Kentucky big, but they also beat Kentucky twice. Um, they beat North Carolina. They beat uh, Arkansas. They split with Arkansas. They beat Auburn. Like they went four and two with the teams seated ahead of them. Like I don't understand how you can see Kentucky and like even Duke and Auburn all ahead of them when Tennessee beat Kentucky tw- two or three times and once on neutral, the only loss being at Kentucky. And they beat Auburn at home. I, I don't know what they could have done better. Like, because I mean, yeah, they're the schedule's way up there. They played in a really good conference. They won the conference tournament. Um, they went through the probably one of the best, like one of the top tier teams with Kentucky. They beat them. They uh, they beat Arizona too. Like, I, I don't know why that, like, why they were stuck at a three. And I think this is a big reason for the SEC to move back their tournament and finish on a Saturday because it gives that. Like, if you do that, it puts that Kentucky win on the Friday, and that goes into the chaos because Sunday or like Sunday and all that, they're they've already got everything decided by Saturday night, I would think, like seating wise. Um, and just looking at the bottom of the bracket for bubbles, like bubble busters, like Richmond, but that didn't make sense. And I don't like St. Mary's as a five, I think that is a terrible miss. Uh, I think they should have been more of a seven. Um, I mean, they're really their only win is that one Gonzaga win at home, and then they beat San Francisco, who was on the bubble twice. They've got losses to uh, like a lot of uh, like Colorado State and Ohio State, and then some other kind of weird losses. I, I don't know how they got up so high, other than they beat Gonzaga late, I, but then they got beat by Gonzaga. So I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure why they're a five. I think they should have been seven or so right around there. Because, I mean, if you look at the teams around them, you've got, like, Bama, who beat Gonzaga and Houston. You've got, like, Arkansas, Arkansas uh, like, uh, Colorado State and Ohio State, who were who beat them. They need to, need to like, move up. So, I don't know where that one and I definitely I definitely agree with the Tennessee take. I, I, everything, it seems like they would have been a two. It did seem like the – maybe even some of the late Saturday games – didn't really affect the committee that much. And the Sunday games didn't seem to affect it at all, which was a little surprising, a little frustrating. Maybe they should, maybe we should rethink how we're doing this because, and it's not that Tennessee's win over A&M in and of itself is that impressive. It's that it's hard to win a tournament. It's hard to win that many games in a row. They came out, they were the better team and they took care of business in the game that they got a 14, nothing. And that was about the margin the entire game. I mean, it never really got, far from that number, you know, A&M would get it to 10-ish and then all of a sudden yeah. be back to 16. So, um, you know, it's, again, it's not that that one thing does it. It's just you add that on that's another impressive yeah. data point. And so it, it is a little surprising that some of those Sunday games didn't seem to really affect the seeds. Um, with that said, we'll jump right into the bracket here. So we're going to go to a new look screen right here. I've pulled up the bracket. We're just going to go through and fill these out. We're going to talk a little bit kind of, uh, we're going to go region by region. And then we'll, uh, I haven't looked at many lines. I haven't made lines. I'm trying just to do this based off of my perceptions of these teams. Full disclosure, I hate brackets. I'm sure you get that away right from the start. I hate, and the reason I hate brackets is because we're going to talk right here. We're going to start off here in the, uh, uh, we're going to start off in the West region. This Boise State Memphis game, right? In the bracket, it gets you one point, right? And so it feels like it's a game that it doesn't really matter who I pick for bracket standings. It's really all that matters is getting the teams to the end. 
And so if you've ever done one, I'm, I'm more of a fan of a survivor pool, a knockout pool. Those things are a lot more fun. So I like those more than brackets. Uh, I haven't done a bracket in years. This is actually my first bracket in, I don't know, five, six years probably. So uh, we're just going to go through, uh, debate some games, and talk about some of the teams as we go through. So hopefully this will be informative for you. So starting off here in the West region, Gonzaga, Georgia State. I don't think we have to spend any time with that. I don't see Gonzaga. Jake, do you have, you have a hot take here that you want to you see Georgia State give, a, give them a fight? No, no, I don't think Georgia State really – like they, they were rough this year, so that's not going to be where they go. Anything. There you go, one pick down, one, one point in the bank already. Uh, Boise State and Memphis, what should be a really good game, a Boise State team that I think a lot of people probably haven't seen this year that is maybe a little bit better than most people will initially think it gets a Memphis team that absolutely on fire did fall flat there in the championship game against Houston. And we talked about those Sunday games not mattering a lot. Maybe a Memphis team that was hoping to fall a little bit flatter than they did, maybe have dropped to a 10 seed and avoid Gonzaga in the first round. Uh, Boise State and Memphis should be a tight one, Jake. What do you have for us here? Man, this I guess was probably one of the hardest first round games when I'm looking at it. Like It's just going to be really hard to pick because Memphis is, like we said, Memphis is playing well. They, they Weirdly came out, but that, like I said, they swept Houston before that, so it's really hard to beat a team three times. Um, and Boise State is a very, very good defensive team. Um, I, I lean a little Memphis here because of Boise State's free throw shooting, because I think it, like these teams are going to go tit for tat. Um, but I mean, it's a it's a coin toss kind of thing. Um, man, it's tough. I, I, like I said, I lean a little Memphis. If her, like I said, for bracket purposes, this game doesn't matter. The winner's probably going to lose to Gonzaga. I'll take Memphis. They've been on fire for the most part lately. I'll give them a pass against Houston. Uh, 5-12 matchup, UConn and New Mexico State. New Mexico State team that the model has just not liked all season and has not gone well fading New Mexico State. They've been a pretty good team against a UConn team that, I don't know, every time I think I figured UConn out, they kind of uh, zig and zag a little bit and surprise me. Uh, is this, is this we got to pick We got to pick a 12-5 somewhere upset, right? Is this, is this the 12-5 upset to pick? Uh, it's a it's a good one to look at. Um, New Mexico State's got these two big big guards, like they're uh, like six five six six, and that's the complete opposite of what UConn has. So it's this could be one where that happens because of New Mexico State's offense is very good. They play decent defense, but UConn is a really solid team and has been playing better of late. So it's it's a tough it's a tough one to go, but one of those always happens, and this one wouldn't be a bad one to look at. I mean. The the all the all the metrics lean way UConn. So I don't yeah. know that this is the smartest one to pick, but um, this is a UConn will have to be on their game defensively because this New Mexico State offense is very good. Yeah, and, and I, I should I should have disclaimed right when I pick against your school, it doesn't mean I dislike your school or anything like that. I have no hate towards any school. It's going to happen soon enough here. Um, I think that I've gone against New Mexico State one too many times. I don't want to do it here. Eh, we'll pick it up. So let's see what happens. Uh, speaking of teams that the model has gone against, Vermont continues to fade. It faded Arkansas too. It faded this little pod here. Uh, the model has faded a lot of these teams. Vermont just, you know, almost needs to change conferences with how yeah. bad they destroyed theirs this year against uh, an Arkansas team that I think this Arkansas team is a little bit tougher of a matchup for Vermont than some of the other fours. Almost wish that Vermont had been paired up against someone else. That way we could have had a little bit more of a, of a, 
a, a better chance for them to pull the upset. I think it's going to be tougher for against Arkansas. I just don't think it's a great matchup. What's your take on it? Yeah, I was feeling the same way. Like, I was excited to see this Vermont team come in. Yeah. I was hoping they'd draw somebody else. But, I mean, Arkansas is a very solid team. Um, if, if they don't – Arkansas really has to be on their game for this one. This is tough. Like, this is a tough yeah. matchup. Like, normally with 13 seeds, you're not looking at something like – you could make a case for Vermont to be as yeah. underseeded, um, yeah, for sure. But so I, I mean, I'll, I'll lean Arkansas just because it's nice to have JD Note in your back pocket, and uh, the way and getting uh, Tony back was big. So I think that makes a big difference, and I think they play good enough defense to slow this team down. And I'm also one of my things with brackets is I don't like long winning streaks coming in. Um, it, it just like streaks come to an end, right? At some point. So the longer that streak goes, the more likely to me it seems like it's going to end. And I don't think Vermont's lost since early January with a one point loss to Hartford. So that that's sometimes how you what I use as a tiebreaker. Yeah, I didn't. I wanted to pick Vermont in the first round. I just I just don't think it's a good matchup against Arkansas, unfortunately for them. But it wouldn't surprise me. They get hot shooting, and Vermont's yeah. a really dangerous team. Um, Rutgers Notre Dame in that play-in game. I don't think it matters who wins that because I'm not sure either team is that good. I'm going to go ahead and move Alabama oh, along. Really? Anything to say on Rutgers Notre Dame or Alabama? Um, if it's if Notre Dame wins, I think it's Alabama. If uh, Rutgers wins, that's an interesting game because um, Rutgers will slow that down. And if Alabama's not got their shots going, like they, if Alabama keeps playing like they did at the end of the year, that that'll be a upset. I think yeah. if it's Rutgers. I think the other eleven match or the the twelve twelve match that they're playing game offers a little bit more yeah a little bit more chance for an upset. Uh, Rutgers, I just think is too one dimensional. They yeah. and, and and so many of their good performances have been at home. Yeah. Um, not that they didn't deserve to make it necessarily because the, you know talking about resume, but just in terms of how good they actually are. If they got to play a game at home, I would not want to play with them. But being on a neutral side, where where's that one at? The play-in game obviously would be in Dayton. Yeah, I do yeah. not know where Alabama's playing. Where that pod is? Uh, San Tech- Diego. San Diego. Okay. Yeah. Definitely not beneficial to anybody in that pod. <laughs> yeah, no uh, Texas Tech, Montana State. I would feel confident taking a fourteen at some point, just because we've seen it happen. But I don't think they're going to be able to be a Tech. Davidson's not ready for that defense. Yeah, yeah. Michigan State Davidson, Davidson team that just on fire there again, just kind of couldn't quite finish the deal versus a Michigan State team that I mean, Izzo in March, it seems like they either lose in the first round or they make the final four. And that's not obviously exactly accurate, but it seems like those Michigan State teams either way overperform and they do fantastic and he's got them ready to go and or they just kind of fall flat on their face early on. What's your take here on Michigan State Davidson? Yeah, I don't like this Michigan State team. I don't think it's good. I like not that Davidson's that great. I think Davidson is a good school, and I think it's a good team. But man, I don't, I don't really don't like this Michigan State team. They turn the ball over too much. Davidson doesn't turn the ball over. Uh, Michigan State's offense can disappear at times. Um, the biggest advantage though is uh, Bingham Jr. If he stays out of foul trouble, Michigan State can pull it off because he can step out and shoot, and he's also seven foot and athletic. And Davidson really doesn't have a counter to that. Um, but I mean, Davis, the way Davidson shoots, if it's close at the end of the game, you'd especially lean Davidson because of the way the free throws go in. 
And this is a pretty big matchup because the winner should have an easy route to the Sweet 16, only having to face Duke the next round, right? Yeah, yeah uh, super easy. Yep. <laughs> I'll take Davidson. I think that, uh, like you said, uh, they are a team that is more fun to root. For. The bracket's about fun, right? Yeah. Davidson's a team that's much more fun to root for than against, yeah. um, in my opinion. So it's uh, I'll, I'll ride with Davidson there. That takes us to the second round here, Gonzaga and Memphis. I feel like it's just as a principle, like, I'm just going to take – Gonzaga, I'm going to take all the one seeds to make the second weekend. That usually happens. I'm trying to play this. I'm not going to go straight chalk, but I'm trying to play yeah. this relatively smart. Um, any parting words on Memphis? Because this is the last time we'll talk about them on this episode. Um, not really. I, if they, I, I would like them to pull this upset off if they had better defensive numbers, because like, especially guard-wise, that's where Gonzaga's weak. And I just I don't think they have it. I think they try to run. The, if they start running, that's going to be deadly to them because – uh, Timmy and Chet can run, so I think that's where this comes to an end. Uh, Arkansas, New Mexico State. Can we see a double-digit seed here make the Sweet 16? If they get by UConn, they stand a good chance, but I, I, I lean towards this Arkansas team in this matchup just because the way they play defense, the way Jalen Williams is playing, I, I, I like this Arkansas team. I think they play well. Um, they play together well, and it's always nice to have the best player on the court, J.D. Nuttet. I, I am fascinated to see what my numbers say about this pod, considering three of the four teams the model has just hated all season long. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious to see how that goes. I'll, I'll play it safe here. I think Arkansas is a pretty good team uh, there. Alabama and Tech should be a fascinating one as well. Not really a clash of styles specifically in that Tech, like we talked about before, doesn't necessarily want to play slow, but of course brings a suffocating defense to a Bama team that wants to both shoot and run. Uh, if if we do indeed have that matchup in the second round, it should be a really good one. Yeah, this should be fun. Well, it's just like it's not style; it's like philosophy. It's like speed yeah. and defense versus we're going to shoot in the first ten seconds of the shot clock, and yeah. hopefully we hit more than what you do, kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I, like I, said, I don't like Alabama. I don't think they're pulling it off. I don't think they're going to. I mean, if they get hot, they can make a run to the championship. But I just don't see that happening. I don't think Texas Tech's got this one. So this is, and I'll give this here for your listeners. You probably filled out a few brackets, so you're probably already thinking about this. But in case you aren't, always think about how big your pool size is. You know, if, especially if if you if you've got a few dollars on it. You know, if it's or if it's the office pool and you, and you really got a ton of bragging rights. If you're in a pool with a hundred people, picking Alabama to make a run isn't the craziest thing because it's going to differentiate yourself, and it's very possible they do. Like you said, if they get hot. Um, if you're in a pool with ten people, you probably want to play it a little bit safer because you don't want to pick Alabama to go deep, knowing that if they go cold, they could lose in the first weekend. And so I'm going to kind of play the average that get them out of the first weekend, but I think Tech is a pretty good team. Uh, and then Davidson-Duke, as much as it is fun to root for Davidson, I'm going to go chalk here for the Sweet yeah. 16 and call this a 0-1-2-3-4. Wow. wow. Yep. The whole, yeah. whole chalk there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I got a 12 seed going to the second. Well, we'll do some crazier things with the other – some of the oh, other yeah. rhythms. Or maybe we'll, maybe I'll just go straight chalk and just be like, whatever it is, what it is. <laughs> I know. I know. I've seen uh, some of y'all probably seen this too. Someone throw a bracket out there in a pool, and it just like call it the chalk bracket, and just straight chalk, and just see and that bracket usually gets like third or something like that. So it's you don't want to go. It's fun to go crazy, but you don't want to go too crazy, right? If you pick like every upset, it's it's not going to go well for you. Uh, same thing here, though. I think Gonzaga and Duke are just the two better teams, and I think it sets up for a pretty good uh, elite eight it's a really game match. here to make the final four rematch there. Duke won the first one early in the year. And 
AJ Griffin wasn't all the way there, so I that that I would be happy to see Gonzaga instead of Arkansas. Interesting, interesting. I'm going to take Gonzaga though. I think they're a good team. I think they make it back to the Final Four. Any parting words for any of those teams in that bracket? Uh, it's just it's what's wild is like the way you have your lead eight. You've got two extreme offensive teams in Gonzaga and Duke, and two extreme defensive teams in Arkansas and Texas Tech. And that's that's just kind of fun way to watch that one turn out. Yes, this this region could be a, a fun one there if it holds if some of those hold true to form and and some potential fun upset teams like we're talking about a davidson and a vermont even in new mexico state plays a little bit different of a style but new mexico state is i think we talked about not one to sneeze out so this yeah. one is a really interesting region in my opinion and then i'll excuse me i hop over here to the South region, where Arizona is the one seed, will play the winner of Wright State and Bryant. Obviously, we don't need to talk too much about that one. Another 8-9 game that seems like a straight-up toss-up game that, for your bracket purposes, probably doesn't matter because we'll just go ahead and advance Arizona through. Seton Hall, TCU. Is Seton Hall healthy? Are they finally healthy? Yeah, Do we know? I, I don't know. That's why, I'm, that's why I picked TCU. Uh, I'm, I'm going with TCU as well. TCU is a very solid team, and they actually had some upside there at the end, beating Texas, beating Kansas at home and then hanging with them in Lawrence. So, I mean, TCU's, uh, you know, a little frisky. I don't think they can handle Arizona there. So I'm just going to no. Arizona on through. Uh, 5-12 at Houston UAB, a Houston team that, like I like I mentioned yesterday, I do not know what to make of them. Yeah. Every time I've written them off, they've looked great. And then when I thought they've looked great, they've been – so if, if you're – I'll say that if you're a Houston fan, right, you want, me to, you want me to pick UAB probably because I've just been wrong on this team all season, <laughs> it seems like. The underlying metrics love Houston – Houston's yeah. a great team. I just don't know about their depth in the second day. I don't I don't know about the depth if they get in foul trouble. I mean, there's just some huge question marks there, but a team that's good enough to make the final four again. Can UAB pull the upset? Is this is this a 12 5 we should be looking at? Yeah, I, I think it is. So UAB, a lot of people haven't really paid attention to them this year. They've got a guy that's gone for 43 times this year. Which is really good. They've got Andy Kennedy, is a, who's a great coach, who got ran out of Ole Miss for no reason, really. Um, who like he was having a winning record, taking him to the tournament. They're like, yeah, we don't like that. We don't like success, and we kind of ran him off. And uh, so I don't understand that. Like their team is built of mainly transfers, but not transfers from like small school. It was like big conference guys that went down a little bit. So they're they're used to playing in these style games and playing with games that matter. And I think Houston's depth kind of comes to get them here. Um, and especially if Fabian White's not at 100, percent like I think, I think I lean UAB here. Yeah, I'll go Houston. Not funny. <laughs> Illinois Chattanooga, Chattanooga team that we've we've backed all season. I love this Chattanooga team. I hate that they're going up against Illinois because Illinois, Illinois will probably lose. All, all of these teams will probably lose. Right, 67 of the 68 yeah. will lose. But it's tough to look at Illinois and figure out when they're going to lose because if they just stick to the fundamentals of just feed the big man, I don't know how you really beat them. I think the best you can hope for is hanging in close and getting a toss-up game because he's such a mismatch. But Illinois has shown that they don't necessarily always want to do that. And so I don't know if that's the players or the coach or what it is. So Illinois is just a team that 
on paper looks unstoppable, but when they play the game, somehow seems to blow it. This is one that I feel like if you're looking at 413 upsets, Chattanooga is not another one not to snooze at. What do you think? Yeah, I, I kind of like it. Um, so there's two reasons behind that. Um, you're not going to get Big Ten refs, right? And the Big Ten is loaded with big guys, and so those refs are used to that. When you start bringing in other conference people, like, and this sucks for them, right? Like, especially people like Edie and Kofi that are just so much bigger than everybody else. They're going to pick up some random fouls that aren't actual fouls, but just look or fouls because they're tall. And I think that really hurts Illinois in this situation. And like what you're saying with how they fall away from him, I think it has a lot to do with how teams have played. They're like, okay, we're going to make it hard for you to get the ball to Kofi. And then they fall in love with a three and they miss a few. And I think this Chattanooga team, like they've got a, I think NBA talent and Malachi Smith. And the, obviously Baptiste can hit from the logo in a triple team. We saw that. <laughs> uh, so that's, so they've got him too. And they also have a seven footer that, you can at least maybe get in Kofi's way. So if you just make life hard on him, I think they've got a good chance to pull this one off. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. I'm going to go with uh, with the upset here. I, I just Illinois can absolutely make the Final Four. They can absolutely yeah. lose in the first round. Uh, we'll have some fun here, and I'll take Chattanooga, uh, Colorado State, Michigan. Interestingly enough, a Michigan team that the metrics have as much better than an 11. They've had. A disappointing season, some ups and downs with the coaching situation as well against the Colorado State team that I feel like got a bit of a bad draw here. Yeah. What's your take on this game? Um, it really comes down to uh, Michigan's guards, like we've said all year. If, if the guards can play well and hit some threes and stuff, they win this no problem because Colorado State really doesn't have an answer for Mich- uh, Hunter Dixonson. But if those jump shots aren't falling and they're turning the ball over, Colorado State will take advantage. I mean, Colorado State's not a good defense by any stretch, but they're a really good offense, and so they're going to at least make them work. Um, it be, should be a fun one to watch, I think. Like, I think it will be a very interesting game, uh, but it, it really depends on what version of Michigan you get. Do you get the one for the first 25 minutes of the IU game, or do you get the one in the last uh, 15 yeah, yeah, that's a good point. I'm going to take Michigan here. I think this is just a really unfortunate draw for Colorado State. I think that Michigan would actually have a harder time against Boise State yeah. as an eight than Colorado State as a six. I think if you put a team like Boise State against them, I think that frustrates them the, the way that they, the Boise State can play defense and slow it down. But I just think Colorado State kind of plays more right into their hands, and I think it's just like I said, a, a bad, a bad draw for them. Uh, I don't think we've talked about Longwood one time on this podcast. Have we said their name even? Uh, I might, I might have once, and it's a buzzer beater. They're, they're, they won, but remember, this team also won two games last year. So, I just remember Longwood from the year they beat TCU early in the season, yeah. and everybody was like, "Wow, who is this school?" And they beat a Big Twelve school. And I think TCU went like, you know five wins that year or something like that. So yeah. it wasn't like it was a great TCU team, but I, I remember that put Longwood on the map. Uh, Ohio State and Loyola Chicago. Um, Loyola Chicago, a team we've talked a lot about, not maybe quite as exciting and as fun of a run as we've seen in seasons past, but still a very solid team against an Ohio State team that has had some good wins and has had some times where they've just not shown up. Definitely Ohio State falls squarely in that Big Ten category of teams we talked about where Anything can kind of happen, and if you're getting six points, you probably got some value on it because who the heck knows? Uh, a little bit different of a matchup here. They're not going to be getting six points against Loyola Chicago. 
No, I, I, I like, I like this Loyola Chicago team. They're getting healthy, um, and they play very good defense. And uh, this Ohio State team is very similar to Michigan, but worse off. They're, they, they get almost nothing out of their guards on a given day. They, they really depend on AJ Liddell, and I think that is too. Too dependent on one man for that to work out against a good team. I think this is a rough draw for them that they didn't want to see this. They, but losing the way they were playing at the end of the year got them down to that seven seed, and that I don't think they were going to make it out of the seven seed. Yeah, because if they, you know, early on in the season they were ranked and they were easily, you know, a four or five seed or something like that, and have a, you know, I always have to watch out for that first round upset, but it, at least you'd be much better than the team that they're playing. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, like you said, they didn't play well at the end of the season. And that fell apart. I'll take Loyola. I think that they're um, – they the best thing that Loyola does with the way that they can play defense, I think, is better than the best thing Ohio State does. Obviously, Ohio State is the best player on the court, but you have the full week to prepare for them. And so I think that kind of matters. Talk about having the full week versus having the one day. If you have to go up against a guy like Liddell, who does a lot of things that are very tough to guard against – and it's not easy. It's not easy to game plan for. Him. If you have one day to game plan for him and no practice to walk through, that's going to be really tough. We talk about you know Michigan Hunter Dickinson, the same sort of thing. When you end up with these guys that are just they do things that are not easy to prep for. If you have one day, good luck, coaches. It's going to be yeah. very difficult. But if you have a whole week, it's not that you can solve Liddell because he's not. You can't just completely solve that. But you can say, here's how to have him not beat us and force everybody else to beat us. And I think Loyola can do that. And that gets them to win. I don't think they stand a chance against Villanova, though. I think Villanova is a team that you do not want to face mm-hmm. uh, with how senior heavy they are, how guard heavy they are. Look, yeah, Villanova's a team. Them away. Yeah, I, I think Villanova is going to be a really tough matchup for anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. All right. So, we got Arizona and Villanova advancing to the Sweet 16. Houston and Chattanooga. I feel like if we end up with this game, it could easily be first to 50 kind of wins <laughs> right it's who uh, that's a that's an incredible matchup that'd be a lot of fun i think i would lean houston um yeah. just from a talent perspective but it wouldn't surprise me for chattanooga to slip by them yeah i agree i agree this is it would not surprise me for chattanooga to make the sweet 16 i think they're a very good team the, again, the underlying metrics are just so strong on Houston, though. I feel like I have to advance them uh, and the way tennessee's playing is michigan is a team that I think can, I think is underseeded as an 11 with respect to how good they actually are. Not the resume, right? If you're talking about resume, is a different story, but with how good they are, I think they're better than an 11 seed, but I don't think they stand a chance against Tennessee the way that Tennessee is playing. And this right is now. something like you were pointing out, right? This is the one day matchup. Um, and Juan Howard hasn't really done anything in a, in a tournament setting. He's not been uh, in the NCAA tournament, which is another, another beast in itself. So there, there could be some learning curve here. And the same thing with Arizona. So it's something to kind of keep an eye out. If you see a tough matchup like what we're looking at in the uh, Elite Eight here, uh, haven't, but they've got a week to prepare, so it's a little more normal. But those coaches haven't coached in the tournament. They haven't been the guy in the tournament yet. So that's kind of a factor to look into. And we never got a chance to talk about the Arizona-UCLA Pac-12 title game. Fascinating game. UCLA, you know, Arizona up. UCLA comes back. gets way ahead. Arizona storms back, just a fantastic heavyweight matchup there. I'm a little bit nervous with Creasa being still out. I assume he won't be back given that he was in a boot. Obviously, by this point, it's way up in the air. I assume he won't be there for the first weekend. Yeah. Uh, but here, I mean, that's a huge question mark, right? If he's back or not. 
affects them and their depth. They got into tons of foul trouble against UCLA, yeah. and it didn't actually matter, which is very surprising. They they still made that comeback. I, I really thought with the foul trouble that they got in, their lack of depth, uh, UCLA having a lead that that was going to be ball game. But Arizona, credit to them, fought back. If we end up with this um, Sweet 16 pairing here for these four teams, I feel like it'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, no, this this would be a blast um, to ha- to have. It, sh- it should be a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> I think it bolts well for Houston if this is the matchup. Um, it's a very very tough defensive team with a very very good coach, an experienced coach, and then if Creech is still out, like that, that's going to be tough on them. Um, they're really going to have to come to play to beat Houston. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to go Houston, and I just, again, I don't want to face Villanova. It's really tough. Villanova and Tennessee, I think if those two teams match up, the winner of that is not a team you want to face in the Elite Eight. I think Villanova or Tennessee could easily make the Final Four. It's a shame that they have to be paired up in the Sweet 16 because if those two teams were in different brackets or different regions, I feel like either one of them would see a very strong chance to make it out. Yeah, I remember Villanova beat. I think it was like 13 or 14 beat Tennessee. I mean, that's in November, so yeah. take that with a grain of salt. But uh, they won, and it, it was – I was at the game, and it was it was heartbreaking. Just Tennessee could get in their way. All right. So, look, I, I, didn't, go, I didn't go, you know, one, two right here. You know, we got to go to Houston. <laughs> and that will take us to the East region here. Uh, also, another tough region. We'll save the Midwest for last, where the Midwest has, uh, you know, not – quite the depth that the other regions do. Obviously, Baylor should get by Norfolk State. Norfolk State's been a fun team to back. It's unfortunate that they uh, weren't either in the play-in game so we could have some fun with them on Tuesday, Wednesday, or at least didn't get to a 15 where maybe maybe you can talk about them being a two. Again, not that a 16 can't beat a one. We have seen it that one time. But that was just such a perfect combination of a Virginia team who, while being fantastic, wanted to play as few possessions as possible, which is exactly what you want if you aren't the good team, if you're the underdog, you want fewer possessions because as you take the possessions out more and more and more, that talent discrepancy shows. And so uh, none of these one seeds this year want to play slow. And so because of that, I don't see, I don't see there being a, if you got, you know, will a 16 beat a one do not play. I don't care what the odds are. I, this is not the year for it to happen because it's not the right matchups. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, because you know, it's obviously a lot of fun. to. to it might be fun to put a dollar on it. Just, just like I think, bragging rights that you called it, but I think it's more fun if you do that to take a dollar and and video yourself doing this and just light it on fire because like who gets to light money on fire? Because that's literally what you're doing. I think if you're betting, <laughs> if you're betting a sixteen over one, and honestly, I hope a sixteen beats a one now because if so, then this clip can go viral. Um, Marquette and North Carolina, uh, two teams that we'll talk a lot about for the first round matchup. I'm probably going to struggle to get by Baylor. In the second round, though, what do you think here on this one? Man, I, I lean Marquette here. I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a good matchup um, for North Carolina. Uh, they've got they match up well and they run the same kind of pace. And teams that do the same thing as Marquette, they've done very well against. Um, so I think Marquette gets it gets it done here. And I actually kind of like them to get by Baylor. Uh, I, just See, I think health reasons. I think the thing you're forgetting there is it's a Shaka Smart coach team and Baylor's yeah. owned Shaka Smart. And so I don't think that he knows how to beat uh, Coach Drew there at Baylor. So I think that Baylor can get past Marquette. And if it's North Carolina, the same thing. I just don't think North Carolina has the horses. I think Baylor has a chance to struggle because of their 
the health issues okay, that we've talked about. I'm going to on that. If LJ Cryer is playing, then I don't think that's true. Uh, I, Cryer feels like a guy who's going to be a game time decision forever and just never yeah. come back. Unfortunately, I hope I'm wrong. I hope he gets. I hope everybody gets healthy, right? Because it's more fun when everybody's healthy. You beat everybody at full strength. You never want to win when the other team's half, you know, half available. But unfortunately, I just i I feel like he's. I, I'm setting the expectation if he's never coming back, and then hopefully I'm wrong about that. Uh, St. Mary's versus Wyoming or Indiana. Wyoming is a team that the metrics do not like. If you if you if you straight power rank Wyoming, they're not. In, I don't think anybody's like top fifty. They're probably not anybody's top sixty. But they kind of constantly overperform against an Indiana team that. Coming into this, I would have said only knows how to lose clo- lose close yeah. games, but won a couple of close games here recently. And I'm gonna say they took Iowa to overtime. Look, I I saw that ball go in, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say they took Iowa to overtime there, and maybe have a chance to pull that out because there was no way that shot should have gone in. Uh, so they're maybe do it a little bit better with regards to those close matches. I think Wyoming Iowa is gonna be a, Wyoming Indiana is gonna be a fantastic opening round game. Yeah, yeah, that's that's probably the most fun uh, group of four for the game that's been in a while. And I think the winner of that is going to get by St. Mary's because I don't like St. Mary's. But I don't think that St. Mary's is that bad. I just think we always see a team play in that first game, get some of the jitters out, get a little bit rolling, going up against you know the other team. I don't know. If, I don't think I take them for granted. It gets to this point of the season, you're not taking anybody for granted. I maybe one sixteen, but otherwise you're not. You know, you know, upsets happen. So it's not that it's just the, the, the team goes out and they've kind of got a little bit of a rhythm and they're, you know, they, they, they seem to go on and usually win a game, maybe two. So I think that yeah. whoever comes out of Wyoming, Indiana is definitely scary for St. Mary's. Um, Akron, a, a nice little run there to win the Mac. I think UCLA is too talented, though, yeah. for Akron to beat. Although UCLA, it's like we talk about Taylor, two halves against or not exactly halves, but two games against Arizona. The bad UCLA shows up, they could lose to anybody. If the good UCLA shows up, they could make it to the Final Four again. Yeah, they're, they're a thin team, and like I said, I, I didn't get to watch too much of the Arizona uh, game with them, but if Juzang's still kind of hobbling around, this could stink of an upset, but I don't think – I think UCLA's got too good of a defense and they're too talented for that to happen, but if like, they're thin and if they're not playing at 100%, that's Akron team at least is on a roll right now. And, and Juzang looked a little bit better in that Pac-12 title game. I didn't notice any ill effects. So I'm assuming by this weekend, I'm assuming he'll be 100%. Uh, Texas-Virginia Tech, a Texas team that has not done well traveling, a Virginia Tech team that the metrics do seem to like, uh, got hot there, won the ACC. A Virginia Tech team that, based off of the seeding, maybe if they had lost to Duke, maybe still makes it as a play-in team, potentially, is the inference there, I suppose. I uh, so that's obviously a fun, fun interesting thing to, to, to talk about. Didn't matter once they beat Duke, of course. Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think there's a rule out there that um, a Power 5 conference champion can't be in the play-in. No, no, I'm saying had they not beaten oh, yeah, Duke, yeah, yeah, yeah. potentially but, they would have been one of the play-in teams yeah. because if they're at 11 here, maybe they – that drops them, you know, a line or something. So maybe yeah. they would have been in any way, but then of course, like I said, they, they put that to rest. Yeah. They didn't do. Um, but yeah, I, man, this, <laughs> so uh, remember with Virginia Tech, when you're looking at this game, I know everybody's going to talk about Texas defense, Texas, Texas, Timmy Allen, blah, blah, blah. This is Wolford's coach with Storm Murphy and the uh, Connor guy that went off against Duke for 31. Both came from Wolford with him. 
Um, now, Walford team has, and coach has had some experience with upsetting teams and like, knowing how to run a tournament and everything like that. I, it's a very scary game if you're on Texas. Like, that to me, I mean, Texas defense could take over and all this could be for naught, right? But those guys are used to playing. They've played in big games. They've played in arenas where, like, they are the complete and total underdog and have come out of blue to win. So that's a, so a little bit – I'd be very nervous if I'm Texas. Texas is a team in, in basketball and football that it's just safer to pick against them at this point. It's been that way for years. It's, it's tough to coach there, the expectations, the boosters, whatever's going on there. It, it, some of their coaching hires have been um, uninspiring. Yeah. Some of them have been – I think good hires and just things haven't worked out. It's just a tough place to have success for one reason or another. At this point, it's just safer to pick against Texas. And the metrics love Virginia Tech, so I'm going to ride with that here. A Yale team that didn't see anything up until the Ivy League tournament, which was a lot of fun, those uh, three games. But I think Purdue is just going to be a, a mismatched disaster. But be on the lookout for Yale. Some of these Ivy League teams do come out and surprise. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be crazy if Yale's hanging in this game in the second half and Purdue, you know, needs every last bit just to get past Yale. Especially the way Purdue plays, they they love to give up a big lead. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Murray State San Francisco should be a fascinating game there. I really wish though that. You know, look at the you look at the other half of this bracket. I really wish they just crisscrossed these two teams. Yeah. Let let Murray play Miami. Let USC play San Francisco. I, the committee does this every year, though. They love to pair. They love to pair up the small schools and love to pair up the big schools. I wish they'd crisscross it. And then and look, hey, if the big schools win and we have nothing but big schools later on, that's fine. They deserve it, right? They they've won those games. If the little schools win, we get nothing but little schools. That's fine too. I get why they do it. They do it because they want to ensure. That of course we get a small school in the second weekend, and they ensure that we get a more blue bloody popular team in USC Miami. But I, I wish they'd crisscross those. Mercy San Francisco two teams that if you haven't had a, a ton of chances to watch them, probably um, this season they're both a lot better than you probably think. I just can't pick against Murray though at this point. Well, remember, I, I believe Brown and Williams from Murray were freshmen on that John Morant team that made a run. So they like they've got a little bit of experience behind them. Um, San Francisco obviously doesn't. They haven't made a tournament since '98, and I'm not a thousand percent sure they deserve to be in. But that's a different topic. And, and on top of that, Murray, a team that resume-wise you could have easily said deserves to be a six, even a five. Um, there's some different metric systems up there that have them as a top twenty, top twenty-five team. Yeah. So. Um, could have easily been a little bit higher. I'm not saying it's a horrible thing. It's not the end of the no. world. It's just they, they're they a very strong team there for A7. I've already got Baylor through here again if it's Shaka Smart. Um, as good as a job as he's done at Marquette, I think Drew knows exactly what Shaka's trying to do and can handle that. I think whoever comes out of this uh, first four game, I think advances yep. into the Sweet 16. I just don't trust UCLA. And Virginia Tech-Purdue, I feel like, is a game that Literally anything can happen. I'd almost, I think that I'd take Kentucky or Murray State against either Purdue or Virginia Tech. I feel like I take the winner of this game against whoever comes out of this. Not to say that Purdue's not a good team; they are. Obviously, we've seen Virginia Tech make a run, but I just, I, I like this Murray State team. And Kentucky is so talented; it's hard to pick against them. Yeah, my only qualm there is with the Kentucky man. If they don't have the outside shot going, if you see, if they run into a team that plays some defense, like they run into Tennessee. Uh, or 
anything like they don't have that outside shot going in, they can disappear quick. And like I pointed out with the refs, like the, I mean, it's a little bit different with Oscar Shigway since he's gotten so much publicity about player of the year and all this stuff. They'll be a little more lenient with him, but you get somebody in there that's calling it tight. They, whew, that could be real. They have a bad shooting night. Kentucky could go out quick, but I don't see that happening because Ty Ty and Severe Wheeler can really do well, but it's just something to kind of look out for. Yep. I'm going to take Kentucky in that matchup. And like I said, then I'm going to advance them on to the Elite Eight. But Virginia Tech, Purdue, I'm just, I'm going to go with Purdue. They're the better team. But I just, I'm nervous about Purdue, like you said, with the way they play. They're a team that they, they are kind of like Alabama, I think. If you're in a smaller pool, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to take Purdue very deep because other people probably aren't. And so if they do, you're not really losing out on anything. But if you're in a pool with a ton of people, produce a team that is talented enough to make a run and is talented enough to make the final four. And if you're one of the only people predicting that and it happens, you've got a great chance. But otherwise, they're a team that could easily disappoint. And even if it's Murray State in that Sweet 16 game, I think Murray State um, would have a very good chance to pull the upset and beat Purdue. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And something to kind of mention with your bracket pools, know who everybody likes, like, here in Indianapolis, everybody's going to be all over IU because that's what they want to happen. People choose it with their heart or Purdue, something like or that. Or Purdue, right, right. Yeah, you know, if you're in Knoxville, it's Tennessee, if like whatever city with the closest team, you know, just know, know who you're playing against. Yep, absolutely. I think that Baylor, again, might have some health issues, but I don't think they have any problem getting by a Wyoming or an Indiana team. I think they're just the superior team, which would set up a Baylor-Kentucky matchup that, again, would be a fantastic one. I'm not picking the dream matchups necessarily, but I do think if we've got some of these, they would be a lot of fun to break down when they get there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, that, that would be a blast. That, that game would be must-watch TV. Yeah, and this is this would be a straight-up coin toss game. And, again, it's almost like we talked about with Arizona. A lot's going to come down to the injuries. I'm going to pick Baylor here just because I trust Drew in these settings. He's done fantastic. Obviously, you saw what he did last year. But, again, if Kentucky wins that game, I would not be one bit shocked. I think that yeah. it would be a fun one. And that takes us to the Midwest region, the weakest region of all. Uh, Texas Southern and Texas a and Corpus Christi would, will actually, I think, be a, a really good and fun play-in game. Um, but neither one of them stands a chance against. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll break that game down uh, when we get there uh, for that day, but neither one of them has a chance against yeah. Kansas. San Diego State Creighton, the eight, there's always seems that it happens that some of the eight, nine teams are like, I don't know, they don't really stand a chance, but San Diego State and Creighton both have, you know, a little frisky. Both teams that I wish were split just because I'd love to pick both of them playing each other. I cannot yeah. do that, unfortunately. What's, uh, what's your initial thoughts here on this one? Man, my, my first take on it was Creighton, but the more I look at it, the more it makes me really nervous. That San Diego State defense is very good. They're playing very well right now. Um, they gave Boise everything they wanted and more. Um, was, but, man, I, I just don't think they've got enough offense to see it through. And uh, definitely, like, and I think Creighton stands a, chance of, uh, stands a better chance of beating Kansas because they play offense, mm-hmm. um, where San Diego State, would have to have Kansas on an off night and, and their defense be up to par. And I just don't think that that happens. So I'll lean Creighton here. Yeah. I'm going to go San Diego State just because I think okay. that the metrics will like them more. I think it's going to be a great game, though. I think either yeah. team can win. Uh, at some point, again, I haven't looked at 
at the numbers. I haven't made my numbers yet on purpose. I haven't really looked at, at spreads too much here. I've tried to stay away from some of that uh, so far for just picking the winners. Yeah. There will be for sure a tossing game that I pick something in my bracket that when we get to the game breakdown, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be on the other side. So I'm like, this is what the math yeah. says. And, I, that's, and, and, it, and it's an interesting point. It shows why I make the model, why I have that math, because it's it uncovers things that my brain, as much basketball as I watch, I cannot take all of it in, but the, the math. It's really game. hard to know 68 teams. It's, exactly, exactly. So if San Diego State Crate should be a fantastic game. I think either team can win. I don't think either team gets past Kansas. Again, rule of thumb, I'm just going to advance the one seed to the second weekend. Uh, we usually see that it's a smart play when you're building a bracket. Iowa-Richmond, as much as I like Richmond, I was backing Richmond a lot at the end of the season. I, this is a 5-12, but I just think that Iowa is the better team, and I don't want to go against the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I think Richmond shot their shot to get here. I, I don't know that they've got another bullet in the chamber. Yeah, and Providence, South Dakota State, I think that this is actually like a coin toss game. And I can't believe I'm saying that about a 413, but the metrics don't like Providence, and it kind of showed in some of their losses. It, it's, you're you're going to hear me say this, and you're going to say, look at all the wins that they've gotten. They've won the close games or, or whatever, but that's just in general not a metric that tends to hold up over time. When they've lost, they've lost big. When they've won, they've won close. And historically speaking, that's not to say this Providence team can't do it. If you're for Providence, they had a magical year. Soak it in. It was a lot of fun. Fantastic coaching job there. Uh, by Ed Cooley. But in general, we have enough data that says teams that lose big and win close predictively going forward tend to not be able to keep that magic alive. South Dakota State's a team that I wrote at the end, and I think they can get it done here. I, this is a team I do not want to face. Horrible matchup here, in my opinion, for Providence to get a 13 that's deadly as South Dakota State. Yeah, the offense that South Dakota State has is just nasty, and I, I wouldn't want to see them. And that pushes an Iowa and South Dakota State matchup that I don't know that the scoreboards will hold enough. It will not. I think, look, San Diego State Creighton is first to 50 wins. Like that game could easily be because Creighton plays such a good defense, right? I ain't like sure, but they do play some offense. San Diego State's defense is so good. I think this is a first to 50 wins. Iowa South Dakota State is a both these teams get at 50 at the half, and I'd be like, yeah, that's that seems yeah. right. I mean, that game is going to be if we can get that matchup. Oh my goodness, I don't. That's going to break the model with regards to the total. I mean, I mean, what would you? You have to make that total 100, 165. I was thinking 170, yeah. whatever. Whatever the number, and, I, and I'll tell the story here. Uh, Cousin Jerry and I were in were in Vegas several many years ago. There was a first round game. It was North Carolina. Go back and look at the score. If it was North Carolina, Long Island, and I don't remember what the total was, and I don't remember what the final score is. It's the story of every year the fit the fish that you caught. You know, it was this big, and then it was this big, and then it was this big. Right, it gets bigger and bigger. So I don't know what the actual numbers are, but Cousin Jerry and I saw the total. Uh, it was like 162 or something like that. It was a high total. We were like, there's no way in a tournament game. These teams in a neutral site, they're going to feel each other out. So Cousin Jared and I, we bet the under on that game. And I don't know how many points were in that game, but it was probably about 350 points were scored in that game. I mean, like the total got blown through in the first half, basically. I feel like that's what's going to be this Iowa South Dakota State team. The total's going to be really high. People are going to say, oh, we've got to go under these teams, whatever. But you can't make that total high enough for me to feel confident about an under in that one. Quick, quick Google says 189 was the total of that North Carolina one. It was the final number of points. Yeah, yeah, 102 yeah. to 87. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm, I was pretty sure they got to 100, and yeah, 100, almost 190 points in a tournament game. Is, yeah, it's a lot, and right. we we bet under because, but they again, the bookmakers could not make the total high enough in that game. 
um, would be a fantastic matchup there. LSU, Iowa State, two teams that have been a little up and down all season long, have had stretches where you've really wanted to back them up, stretches where they haven't really shown up. Iowa State, a team that played so strong, was looking like they'd be you know, a four or five seed for a while and then really fell asleep at the wheel and maybe missed the tournament and it kind of sneaks in as an 11. Yeah, I think they're a little bit of a dangerous 11 with the way they play defense. If like at any point, if they get any offense going, they can win a game. It's just that offense just disappears. I mean, anytime you're outscored by the clock in a game, that's just not good. And, you know, and Iowa State's done that a couple times where they're getting in the 30s for a 40 minute game, and it's just yeah, makes me nervous. I mean, this game is the complete opposite of the Iowa South Dakota State team we like matchup we just had. Yeah. Like this is this might be I could this game could in, end up in the 40s very yeah. easily. I feel like this whole bottom half is a little weaker. Yeah. Wisconsin as a team, is is Johnny Davis healthy going forward? Yeah. Do we know that's, at this point? Uh, that's, you know, he played in the last game, but he did not look good. So yeah. maybe an extra week or so give, gives him gives him enough. To I'm going to take – yeah, I'm going to take Wisconsin through hoping that Johnny Davis is healthy. But if, if he's not, that Wisconsin team is completely different. I would, yeah, I would, I would happily pick against Wisconsin, but I don't really have a lot of confidence in LSU or Iowa yeah. State. Um, I'm going to go with LSU. The numbers have liked LSU all season, so I'll stick with that. But anything can happen in that game, yeah. and if Johnny Davis isn't healthy, anything can happen in the next one. I think it's a lot weaker of a setup. I think Auburn's got a pretty easy path yeah. here down to the Elite Eight, which leaves us with USC-Miami, uh, two teams. Miami, one who's, uh, you know, kind of uh, – both teams really kind of gotten lucky relative to the metrics, both uh, some would say a little bit fraudulent. Yeah, this is a fraud game for sure. Um, I, I don't like USC. I just, they don't show me enough. And I think Miami has at least Laranega, who's uh, consistently done well in tournament settings. Um, and they've won some of these close games and pulled it out. And then I always like being able to depend on guards and when it comes to tournament time versus a big guy. So I'll lean Miami. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Also kind of a coin toss game. You don't know which team's going to show up for USC. If the good USC shows up, then they can get that done. If the bad USC shows up, they probably get run at the building. So yeah. a lot tougher of one to feel confident on. Again, for the bracket, though, thankfully, they probably lose to Auburn yeah. in the next round. So it probably doesn't matter. Um, I think this Iowa and South Dakota State game would be fantastic. I just can't pick against Iowa right now, which would set up a, a fantastic Iowa-Kansas game as well. What would you take me on that one? I think, um, um, man. Uh, good basketball. That's yeah, what you take? It's, it's very, very good basketball. Um, I just, I, I, I would love to see that. I'd love to see a bodging Keegan-Murray duel. Yeah. That would be so much fun. I think the secondary and the third guys – for Iowa are better than the second and third guys for um, Kansas because like they did this to IU and this was fun to watch when I was at the game. They put Murray at the Keegan Murray at the five and had his brother at the four. So Trace Jackson Davis and Race Thompson had to chase them around the four. Well, if you do that with Kansas, you've got a worse, elite, <laughs> less athletic guy in McCormick or Lightfoot having to chase one of those two guys around. And you saw what happened. Keegan Murray hit eight threes. So that, that I think that's a deadly matchup for Kansas. I don't think yeah. they get to it. I just don't want to go against Iowa right now. I think that they have a good chance of getting out. So I'm going to take Iowa to make the final four. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah, I gotta do something weird, right? Gotta gotta throw something out there. But this one, if Auburn, the good middle of the season Auburn team shows up, I think they're very good. My take on Auburn though is I think Auburn's the weakest two seed. I think that the metrics haven't liked them all season, and we kind of saw at the end that that them being the number one team in the country was a little bit of a mirage. And that doesn't mean that they didn't deserve it based off the resume. I'm not trying to come up with a hot take here. I'm just saying that the, the the underlying numbers behind Auburn were this team isn't quite as good as they've played, which is fine. You can't take the wins away from them. But then going forward, we saw them struggle a lot at the end of the season. And I think the truth is somewhere in between. They're not quite as bad as that team that lost A&M there in the tournament. But um, was it A&M that beat them? Yes. Yeah, they're not they're not quite that bad, um, but they're not they're not number one team in the country. So I just think they're one of the weaker two seeds um, in the tournament. So I think they're very vulnerable. Wisconsin again, Wisconsin a team that can make the Final Four if Johnny Davis is healthy, but I have no idea if he is. Kansas a very good team, but I just think Iowa the way they're playing right now and the way that they can score. I think their style of play also lends itself to March Madness because, like you talked about with the refs, they aren't reliant on big guys getting hacked. They just want to run up and down the court and score. And I think that's going to um, help them out a little bit here, be better to get out of the Big Ten play and into tournament play. I think Iowa's got a real good shot at making the Final Four, which sets up Baylor-Gonzaga rematch of last year. Again, I didn't plan this out, but a rematch of last year's championship game would be fantastic. Gonzaga with a lot of revenge on their minds. Does Scott Drew just know how to beat this Gonzaga team, or can Gonzaga make it back to another national championship game? Man, if this is the matchup, I think Gonzaga gets it. The the where Baylor is weakest right now is big guys, and that's where Gonzaga is strongest. Like it's be a fascinating matchup because you've got that. Like if they had the if it was in the same scenario last year, and you didn't have the big Baylor didn't have the big guys, I was still go Baylor because of how good defensively their yes. guards were. Yes. But their guards this year aren't that as good defensively, and that's where you have to beat Gonzaga up. And they just I don't think they can do that this year. I think Gonzaga gets a modicum of revenge here. And and Baylor last year offensively could just hit a million threes yeah. in a row. They had so many guys who could hit threes. And this year they're just a little bit weaker on that regard, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. It's just that against a really good team, if you can go ahead and hit four threes in a row, you can really make life difficult for your yeah. opponent. And this Baylor team is a not just not as good of a three-point shooting team. Last year's Baylor team was one of the all-time yeah. great teams. I'm not saying oh, the yeah. best team ever, but I mean, they were a very, very good team with how they could yeah, shoot the three-point. They're in discussion for like top five teams that have ever played. I agree with you. I think Gonzaga can get it done there. And like I said, I just don't want to pick against this Villanova team. I think they've got a really good chance to make a very deep run, which would set us up for a Gonzaga-Villanova championship game. What would you take me here? See, this is where, like like I said, I would. it's kind of the same thing as that Baylor matchup, but this is where you have better guards defensively, and Eric Dixon, Dick, Dixon can hold his own down low. And especially if that freshman guy, I can't remember his name from Villanova, starts playing and gives them a seventh man on the bench, I would I would take Villanova here. Um, uh, their guard, like Colin Gillespie's going to beat up on their guards a little bit. Like he posts them up and plays really good defense. And Slater and Williams and all of them are very good. Jay Wright's an extremely good coach. Um, and you have to put Villanova away to beat them. Like at the end of the game, like Creighton found this out. Creighton kind of took off on a little bit of lead up five, six or something like that. And then in the game, here comes Nova storming back because you can't, like you have to put them away. You can't let them stiff around. Yep. I agree. I'm going to take Villanova here for my title. I'm going to say 68, 62. 
And we're going to lock that in for the bracket. We're right at an hour here, so we got to get out of Dodge before we hit that extra, before we get over 60 minutes. So that's all we've got for you today. Thanks for tuning into this special episode of Picks with the Professor. If you haven't done it yet, click that subscribe button to ensure all the college basketball content dropped right into your feed. We'll be back later this week. We'll break down every game. We'll do normal episodes. We'll do bonus episodes. We'll give you all the content that you need for the tournament and to give you betting success. But until then, remember, you need your betting money, but please don't bet your eating money.